Hey, would you give up your cell phone for this? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, this is Dan Miller. You know, some of you, if you're new listeners, you may be wondering why 48 days? Why a 48-minute podcast? Well, hey, the deal is... This was years ago when I was first started coaching people. I'd have somebody who really hated their job, just you know, kind of hated their life. And we'd map out a plan for where they want to be, steps right into it. And I'd run into them two years later and they hadn't done anything. I thought, well, you got to be kidding me. And I decided there's got to be a timeline, not just when everything looks right, when all the lights are green, when the kids are out of school, when we pay off the mortgage or whatever it happens to be. No, 48 days is significantly enough time to assess where you are, get the advice and opinion of other people, do a little bit more research, choose the best one and act. Now, I, I did that kind of just as a lark. It was just, just a marketing tool. But that I tried back when 48 Hours was becoming popular as a TV show. And I thought, well, that's an odd number. It's not just 7, 10, 30, 90, 180, even 365. No, 48. It got people's attention. And it did. It worked like magic. We've continued to use it ever since. Well, I hope that you're on track to achieve your dreams. We're going to talk about that some today. One of the questions we have is, how can I reach my goals when I continuously fail? And then some other interesting ones like, how can I make being a certified dirt bike instructor my full-time business? Dan, I enjoy the research and reviewing aspects of the posi- of, in my position, but I'll just say it out loud. I hate customer service. Somebody wants to know, would people pay for an online community about healthy cooking and nutrition? And then when my wife says that she hasn't seen many people teaching other people and trying to save the world, do very well in family life. Those people tend to have a lot of divorces, child rebellion, and so on. So if you're working in a, a church, a nonprofit, some kind of an organization to do good in the world, you sacrifice your own personal life? Wow, that's a painful, painful kind of trade-off there. Well, we'll see if we get time to get to all of those. If not, we'll roll into next week. Each week is a continuation of questions that you all submit. If you've got questions, feel free to shoot them to me at askdan at 48days.com. You can go to any part of our 48days.com site and just click on the little microphone if you want to, leave an audio message, but usually people just shoot an email askdan at 48days.com. Now, our quotation today comes from Tony Robbins. A real decision is measured by the fact that you've taken a new action. If there's no action, you haven't truly decided. We're going to break that down a little bit. What's it mean to decide? Now, here's our resource for you today. We always have a resource, this free resource. We've got lots of them here for you to choose from, but This is on choices and decisions. This is a piece that Joanne, my wife and I did. It includes the steps to making a decision. I touched on them just real briefly, but it goes into more detail. How do you make a decision? If you go to 48days.com slash choices, you'll find some helpful tips there, an outline of how to make decisions. 
All right. Hey, our partner today, our business partner is FreshBooks. You hear me talk about them regularly. They've been a partner of ours for a long time. Love what they do. Love how they help small business owners and also individuals. Just keep track of your books. You hear me talk about how easy it is to file my quarterly taxes as a as an entrepreneur, how easy it is to know where I'm going to stand at the end of the year in terms of taxes and how I can at a glance determine what my expenses are and where our greatest revenues are coming from. Even though I'm an entrepreneur, we have revenue from different sources. I want to know how much came from coaching mastery, how much is coming from the 48 days Eagles, how much from my mastermind, how much from personal coaching. So we track all of that. Easy to do. Fresh books. One of the things you can do as well, I don't think I've talked about this. You can create a customized proposal for the perfect way to really impress potential clients. You can add a project outline, the scope, the timeline, deliverables, and then as soon as your client signs off, instantly convert that to an invoice. Just one of the many features of FreshBooks. To claim your month-long unrestricted free trial with no credit card required, go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and then enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Well, we got lots of good news. You know, before I go into... Good news. I've got another piece here that I pulled up that I just want to, I just want to talk us through. Here we are now in May, well into May. So we're well into the new year. I mean, we're already thinking about 2020 rolling around. Going to be the beginning of a new decade, which is going to be kind of cool. But it's also a time when looking back, yeah, a lot of us have realized we set goals back in January or even earlier than that. If you're on track, but you set goals at the beginning of the year and haven't really achieved them. One of the things that's pretty tangible is the fact that people always say at the beginning of the year, gee, I want to lose weight. I want to get in shape. That seems to be kind of the primary thing that people focus on at the beginning of the year. Well, here's some pretty bizarre excuses people use to avoid going to the gym. There's a brand new survey that examined how enthusiastic 2000 Americans were to exercise and then went through the weird common excuses for people staying home. Now, I'm just going to summarize this, but being too tired, 63% of the excuses were I'm too tired. Now, what sense does that make? I mean, going to the gym energizes you, gives you more energy. If you're too tired, go to the gym, work out. Being too hot, 39%. That's too hot. Too cold, 39%. How about that? Oh, I recently ate, so I can't go to the gym now, 31%. Those were all in the top five list of excuses. 28% of participants blame their laziness and the lack of fun involved in working out, while others complain about getting too sweaty, never seeing results, and feeling judged at the gym. Now, there's all kinds of weird things that go on here, but those are kind of the top ones. Um, people say, gee, I don't have clean clothes, workout clothes. I have a meeting tomorrow. I feel self-conscious today. I just got my hair done. I need to pick up the kids. All kinds of excuses. Here's the deal. Let's go back for a minute to our quotation for today. For Tony Robbins, and the quotation was, a real decision is measured by the fact that you've taken a new action. If there's no action, you haven't truly decided. Now, what does that word decide mean? I mean, if you do a little digging on what that word means, well, let me give you some examples here. You, you'll get the feeling real quickly. Let me give you these words. Homicide, suicide, pesticide, algicide, fungicide, 
What's the commonality there? Something's going to die. Something's going to stop in all of those. From the Latin word, it, it means to strike down, to chop, to beat, to fell, to slay. If you really decide, something's going to stop. If you say that you've set goals, you say that you want to do something, you say this is how you're going to get to your dream, and then you don't do anything differently, you don't stop doing some things, you haven't really decided. I mean, there's an old you know, book, Five Frogs in a Log. Well, four decided to jump in the river. How many were still left? Well, it goes on to say five, just deciding to do something and take an action are two different things. Now, I love the power of intentional choices. I'm going to give you a quick example and just for whatever it's worth. But Joanne and I were on a cruise last week. We had the pleasure of going on a 40 days cruise, has had an amazing group of people with us, just had a delightful time. But we were on a cruise. Now, you know what that means? That means there's going to be food 24 hours a day. I mean, there are chocolate fountains. There's every dessert known to man. There's pizza. There's uh, cheeseburgers out by the pool when you walk by these amazing burgers and fries and all those kind of things. Well, I've been on a pretty strict dietary plan that I decided to do along with my functional medicine doctor, Dr. Randy James out of Colorado. It's been amazing the progress I've experienced in the last six months. And a lot of that is in being very intentional about what I eat. Now, I'm going on a cruise. Well, even he was kind of concerned about that, thinking, eh, you know, whatever, you'll blow it for a week and then we'll start over. no. I don't want to lose traction in what I've been able to accomplish and how I'm feeling. So we went on a cruise. I had absolutely no bread, muffins, biscuits, cake, pancakes, no bagels, cupcakes, pasta, rice, potatoes, cheesecakes, pizza, hamburgers, none of that. I had a wonderful salad every lunch with vinegar and olive oil. I had awesome dinners. I mean, with lobster, chicken, vegetables. And when the rich desserts were offered, I ordered a small plate of cheeses and fresh berries. I had no soft drinks, even though we had a beverage package that included anything you wanted. No, I didn't have any soft drinks, just water. I hit the treadmill for an hour, four of the days we were out, four of the seven we were out. Um, beautiful view from the 14th deck of the ship looking out over the water. Now I came back feeling rested and strong, not sluggish and tired because I decided in advance what I was going to do. Incidentally, I know this is a biggie. You expect to, you know, add 10 pounds or some ridiculous thing. I weighed the day before our cruise. I was at 174. I weighed the day after we got back. I was 173.5. How's that? Well, I don't want to be bragging, but I just, I just want to encourage you in how powerful it is to really make a decision. And if you make a decision, then your action is going to change. Well, let's move on. A couple of quick good news things here. High school kids praise anonymous man who paid for their dinner with one specific condition. Now, we know we're right here at the time when there's all kinds of proms. There's proms, geez, every Friday and Saturday night, it seems. Well, Here's a group in California from Fortuna High School. A bunch of students had gone out to dinner with their dates at the Double D Steak Restaurant to get a bite to eat. As they were preparing to order, however, the waiter approached the table and said that another patron was offering to pay for their dinners 
with one specific stipulation. The teens had to enjoy their time together without using their cell phones. So they talked about it, said, hey, go for it. So they put all their cell phones onto a tray, gave it to the waiter for safekeeping. He took it back to the kitchen. They didn't have their cell phones. One of the students later recounted the story to her mom when the proud parent made a Facebook post in order to praise the anonymous donor. They talked. What a novel idea. They talked over dinner rather than using their cell phones. And the mom says, thank you to the gentleman not only paid for their dinner, but taught them you can have a really good time without technology. I hope every young person at the table took a valuable lesson from it. I'd really like to find this amazing man and thank you myself. Well, he didn't make himself known. Uh, What a cool thing to do. Just uh, have him change, kind of change the model and just put up your cell phone. Would you be willing to do that? Well, hey, I certainly would. Uh, Again, when we were on a cruise, I had a full internet package, but we boarded on Saturday and never turned it on until Thursday. On Thursday, I turned it on just for five minutes to check in and get our flight information, confirm our flights back. Other than that, we're on vacation. We're on a cruise ship. Why do I need to be on my computer or phone? Nope. Enjoying the time with friends. Now, here's a neat piece, and then we'll move into some questions. After parents died, a 20-year-old has been raising her five siblings. People are now rallying behind her. Thousands of people have come together in order to support a 20-year-old gal who's been supporting her five younger siblings since their parents died. Now, this is really uh, tragic, but exciting as well. Samantha Rodriguez is the youngest, is the oldest, rather, of her brothers and sisters, ranging in age from 5 to 17. So she has five siblings. She's 20. Both of their parents died from cancer within the last five years, and she's taken responsibility for the family. She says there's no way that she wanted them to go into the foster system. She said, I knew what I had to do. I learned so much from my mom, and they did go live with her her grandmother, but that's been a challenge as well. Our grandmother really can't help them, just gave them a roof under which to live. But uh, anyway, the police station heard about this gal with her five younger siblings. They got together, people contributed readily, and they bought her a brand new car, which is pretty cool. And then they've done some other things. They also put up a GoFundMe page, and it raised $11,000 in one day. I haven't gone in to check to see what it's at at this point. But just a cool story about somebody who's doing the right thing, taking responsibility. Can you imagine being 20 years old and taking responsibility for five younger siblings. Wow. Well, we've got some grandkids who could potentially be in that situation. I'm just thinking through if that would work. I suspect they would try to do the same thing. Well, got another good news note here. This comes from Heidi. A couple weeks ago, I talked about Heidi. She shared readily that she was feeling guilty because she was making money, consistent money from a blog that she had done like four years ago. It just happens to be one of those because of ads that are connected with it continues to make money. So I got an update. We, we talked about that. We talked about the challenge of feeling guilty when you're doing well. And I made some references from Thou Shall Prosper, the book by Daniel, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. We talked about that, how to get over feeling guilty for doing well. If you're doing well, 
That means that I, I think God has trusted you to be a, a responsible steward of money so you can now bless other people. I mean, what an opportunity and privilege to be making money from unexpected sources, as Heidi was describing. Got an update from her, and uh, she thanked me. She says she actually has a copy. I said I'd send her a copy of Thou Shall Prosper. She sent me a note, said she has a copy. She needs to pull it out of storage and read it again, which I encouraged her to do. She has, there have been times when the income from her old blog duplicates the income she's making from her regular job. She says, overall, it usually generates about half of what she's doing. Golly, I encouraged her to go back and look at that and uh, see if she can't just tweak it a little bit, add some more content, do a couple more similar to that and have it duplicate her income totally and go on from there. Anyway, neat note to hear her accept that advice and to recognize this is a mindset issue. This is upper limit challenge where we feel like we really don't deserve the blessings that are coming our way. Wow. That's a mindset challenge to get over that and then become a faithful steward of what you're allowed to enjoy. Well, hey, just a quick note here, reminder that yeah, these are real life questions. We're going to move into some doozies here right now. But if you got one you want to submit, be delighted to include it in an upcoming episode of the 48 Days Radio Show here. Just send that in to askdan at 48days.com. Again, simple email address, askdan at 48days.com. Now, this comes from Adam. This is, this is a challenge, and I need your help on this as listeners. Adam says, thanks for taking the time to read my email. I've gone through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace. I've been going through your book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. I so appreciate the content. Uh, as you probably hear from time to time, my situation is a little different from most of your normal cases. And yes, everybody thinks they're somehow not the norm, and that's okay. We all are individual, but Adam has some unique challenges in his situation. No question about it. Here he continues. He says, I'm a man of a 35 year old man with a laundry list of health issues, including having had three open heart surgeries. I'm on my third pacemaker, five strokes in my brain stem. This usually kills people or leaves them brain dead. Seizures, depression, there's more of this is a short summary. I've fought my way back to the place where I no longer rely on government assistance, but I'm having difficulty finding my niche. My previous work in the music business is no longer an option for me due to my health conditions conditions and a need for health insurance. I've tried my hand in numerous fields, but my health continues to be a burden. My passions in life do not look as though they would create an income enough to live off. And similarly, my health creates boundaries which are near impossible at times to cross. I yearn to find a place that I can succeed and be able to provide a reliable income for my family without burdening them or struggling with the burdens of my health through my vocation. I'm at my wit's end. I, as the man of the house, believe it's my responsibility as a man of God to provide for my family. Man, I commend you on that, Adam. And I can't do that. Any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. Summary, my physical limitations set boundaries for my vocational goals. Also, finding a passionate vocation is difficult with the challenge of needing insurance benefits. What can I do? All right, now here, I'm going to do a quick summary, and then I'm going to ask for your help as listeners. 35 years old, doesn't describe his family, but implies that he has a family, wife and children to support. Severe physical limitations and needing health insurance. What can he do? Now, we know 
a lot of this, and I, I commend you, Adam, on your mindset, your mindset, not just looking to the government to take care of you, already saying you don't need their assistance, but figuring this out on your own, accepting responsibility as a dad to be the provider for your family, wanting to do something, wanting to find that niche. Golly, wonderful, wonderful mindset. The, the next leg on that stool is right idea. Yeah, you need What is that idea that will take your best talents, your best passions, and be able to create income in using those well? And then the third thing is the right network. Now, I think you've got the right mindset. I'm not sure what the right idea is. I don't know enough about your situation to really recommend what that would be. But I think you're on the right path here. But I also know how important it is to have the right network. Here's what I want to propose. We've got some amazing success stories coming out of the 48 Days Eagles community. I want to give you a one-year membership to the 48 Days Eagles community because I'm confident that the brain power there, the willingness of people to share ideas and resources will help you much more quickly find your idea, develop it, and be the responsible provider that you want to be. So I want to I want to give you a complimentary membership. I'll set that up. I'll set that up with Sheila to take care of the back end logistics of that. We've just moved our entire community from Facebook over to Mighty Networks, which I'm thrilled thrilled about. I may address that at another time. Um, got some growing concerns about the invasion of privacy that we're seeing on Facebook, and so we're moving to our own private community where we're not bombarded with all the ads that come with being on Facebook. Anyway, so we'll make you, we'll take you right into the new group and I'll get with Sheila and we'll give you the details to make that happen. And again, we, we wish you well. And again, I'd love to hear from you as listeners about ideas for Adam with these severe restrictions, ideas that he might do. I could rattle off half a dozen, but again, I'm, I don't know exactly what his skills, his talents are. So we'll start with that. All right, this comes from Peter who says, Dan, I'm 48 years old. 48, yes. I've got a degree in business management, associate degree in entrepreneurship, jobs in customer service, and insurance, real estate. I like being on the road, enjoy cars, motorcycles, and helping people. I race motocross. Last 40 years in the Northeast as an expert racer. Motocross is my life, and I still ride and race. Certified dirt bike instructor from the Motorcycle Safety Foundation. I've been working on passing auto appraisal license. Finally, I have, have landed to teach, have land to teach, okay, uh, in Massachusetts. My question is trying to get auto appraisal job on weekends, then quit my current job and do dirt bike school, build it up to a full-time job on weekends, but need to add other motorcycle stuff to make it full career because it's seasonal, plus, I, plus doing the auto appraisal job too. Any advice? You know, with your clear passion for motorcycle racing, golly, I would look for 10 different ways you can make money from that passion. Now, true, training riders in Massachusetts may be seasonal. I understand that. Golly, I think you could develop all kinds of things to go along with that that are not seasonal, like a course to teach somebody, you know, how to get into the best races there are or just techniques Or merchandise. I mean, what is it that motorcycle racers are looking for? You know because you're in that world. 
Golly, so if you had a suite of products available, so if you had 15 products available and they came to you knowing that if they needed gloves or helmet or pants or whatever their other needs that they may have, you know, could be protein bars. I mean, you could get sponsors because of your center of influence from providers like that. I mean, there are people who are making their full-time living by simply doing product reviews. You could have people submit, product manufacturers submit products to you that you then do a review of. You test them out, you do a review. I mean, I would look for what things right in your sweet spot, right in your passion, rather than trying to fill in with other unrelated things around the side. That would be my advice. Boy, what an exciting thing to be working in your area of passion like that. But yep. Don't overlook the acres of diamonds right there. Based on your knowledge, just expand on that one thing only. Beatrice says, Dan, I've been following you since you were a co-host on the radio with Tim Knox. My gosh, that goes back a long time. My buddy Tim from down in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, Yeah, we were on the radio together for... I think four years, I think the last four years before I switched to podcasting. So that's been a long time ago. It'll be 10 years this year here in just a few months that I've been on podcasting. So that goes back way back. Now, Bernie says for the past eight years, I've worked as an application reviewer for a credentialing agency and I want to search for a new job. I enjoy the research and reviewing aspects of the position, but I'll just say it out loud. I hate customer service. The work seems endless and I feel like I'm always on. I have a 50 minute commute each way. And by the time I get home from work, I'm wiped out. I feel my current position highlights my weaknesses and quenches my strengths. Boy, that's a mouthful right there that a lot of you could probably say. I feel like my current position highlights my weaknesses and quenches my strengths. Sounds like a conversation I've had just recently with a grandson who's living with us. And he feels like the position he's in is doing pretty much that. It highlights his weaknesses and quenches his strengths. Now we're having an interesting time of him working through that to understand better what his strengths are. And we've encouraged him not to leave just uh, immediately, but to learn from this experience to better equip him to then go to the next position. So anyway, Bernice said previously, I enjoyed and was successful in analyst positions. However, I have only acquired maintained knowledge and skills necessary to do my current job. I feel like a dinosaur. I'm unsure where to begin. Please help. Or Bernice, there's good news. You are in the driver's seat. I don't know the time. I mean, you can do any kind of a search and you're going to find that we are at a historical low in unemployment. That means there are Every you can't walk down the street without seeing ten companies that have we're hiring signs out. So you're in a great position to do a job search, and having had some experience, you say you've been in this position for eight years. You ought to know more clearly what your real talents are, how you relate to other people. You're describing that you're you're not a high eye. As an example, on the disc, somebody who's real gregarious, outgoing, social, you know, likes to go to parties and hang out, breaks the silence in the elevator. That's probably not you. You're more behind the scenes. You said that you like to do analyst positions. So you're more comfortable being behind the scenes and something where you don't have to relate to customers. And of course, you say you hate customer service. That's fine. There's no right or wrong about any of that. No good or bad. It's just simply knowing yourself well 
And that, as I talk about it in 48 Days to the Work You Love, is 15% of the process of having a confidence of proper direction comes from looking inward. What did I say? 85%. 85% of the process is looking inward, knowing yourself well, then 15% is simply the application. So that you have great information about yourself that ought to give you more confidence, more enthusiasm, be able to hold your head high and go out and present yourself to companies knowing what you know about yourself. I would encourage you to do that. I'd encourage you to do a job search today. I mean, go back and review that section in 48 days. I think it's chapter seven that talks about the job search, how to present yourself, how to describe the value that you have, and then do a job search. If you do a job search, you ought to get three or four job offers quickly where you can then weigh those against what you know about yourself. Does it fit? Is it going to really use the best talents that you have? Do a job search But don't continue in something where you hate what you're doing. Just life is too short. You don't need to do that. All right, Ashley says, I've been listening to your podcast and heard your recommendation of starting an online community when answering a question. This sparked a light in me. I'm a dietitian and I'm wanting to start working from home to be with my daughter more often. I'm thinking of starting my own online community about healthy cooking and nutrition and charging a subscription fee. Does that sound like something you think people would pay for? With so many free resources available on the internet, I get worried about beginning my own thing and start to psych myself out. Any advice you have would be appreciated. Well, you're asking good questions, Ashley. I mean, I know this idea of having an online community is really appealing. You know, you hear me talk about a couple that has people who are herb lovers, people who grow, you know, rosemary thyme. I mean, I'm talking literal herbs like that. And they have, you know, 3,000 members. They only pay $10 a month just to talk about the herbs that they're enjoying. Well, wow, that's $30,000 a month. I mean, you hear me talk about those stories. That's not easily done. Yes, it's appealing. But here's how this works best. Now, we have an online community, obviously, you know that, 40 Days Eagles, Here's how having an online community works best. As a small subset of your already existing audience, what that means is if you have 5,000 people on your email list who are already paying attention to you because of your tips about healthy cooking and nutrition, then could you get 50 of those to get into a paid membership site? Yes, I think you could. If you've never done anything to position yourself as an expert in healthy cooking and nutrition, then I think this is going to be a monumental challenge. I would encourage you not to start with a paid online membership group, but to rather start with something simple. And it could be like a Facebook group where you just announce that area of interest and just start accumulating people who are having conversations there. You need to get involved in other online communities where there's a similar focus. So it starts to elevate you, giving you credibility as an expert in that area. Comment on other people's blogs. You may want to start a blog of your own. You may want to create an ebook. You may want to do a Saturday morning seminar on this topic, but start doing all these things to position yourself as an expert in that area. Then the subscription online community comes later. But a lot of people 
when they're just starting out, get enamored with the idea of having an online community. And six months later, you know, they have eight people in a group and it doesn't work. People will realize this isn't really a vibrant community. You need to be able to launch and get like 200 people right out of the gate. Now we're, you know, with our group, I mean, I do have a pretty large audience. We had 16,000 people in the free community that we had called 48days.net. Now, true with the free community, you don't know if somebody's really active in there or if they came in once a year ago and now they're registered, but it really doesn't matter because there's no accountability, no skin in the game, so to speak. So those weren't all active people, but we had 16,000 people who had registered, taken the time to register and to be approved for that community. Then we started 48 Days Eagles, which is a paid community. It's $36 a month, so it's not a big fee, but it's a commitment. And at this point, we're at about 700 people in there. Now, that's certainly a long ways from the 16,000 of people who were already listening to me, already paying attention, already had get in the game. And, of course, our larger audience, I mean, we have about 90,000 people who get our weekly um, newsletter. But even with that... We're at about 700 people. Now, we're growing that, and I'm confident that we'll get it quickly to like 2,500 people, which is where I want it to be. We're having a great time in there. The success stories are just exploding. We've moved to this new platform, Mighty Networks, which is awesome. People are raving about it. So things are growing more quickly right now. But, yeah, that's, that's my advice on having an online community. I love the concept. Absolutely love it. It's the thing I'm most excited about, one of the best things I've ever done. It's create that community. But to have a paid online community is a challenge. Now, I took a course. I took Stu McLaren's course. Stu McLaren, you can just do a quick search on that. He is the guru about online communities. He's got a course. He's worked with, he created an original template that uh, like 60,000 organizations have used. Uh, We don't use that template, but we used his information about how to grow a community. I mean, we know things like people come for information, but they stay for community. They don't stay just because you got a lot of information there. They stay because you give them a way to connect with other people, to share the things they're going through, the challenges, the wins, the celebrations and all. That's how you grow an online community. Well, hey, I love the question. And uh, I'll be eager to hear how you, how you develop that, Ashley. Keep, it, keep me posted on your progress. All right, Daniel says, uh, I've wanted to write for a while. I keep listening, learning more. Now I need some specific specific feedback. I got fired from a creative job back in 2015. At the time, I had been demeaned to the point where I felt it was deserved, but found out later that credit for my work was being stolen by the guy who got my job. I stayed in the game, had a few jobs since then each month. I moved to is actually less fulfilling than the last and less pay, and I'm really losing heart. I'm a creative guy. Now, he goes on here. Dan goes on to describe he's a graphic designer, but he's he's um, not really the artsy kind. He's more technical, analytical. He enjoys being creative in that arena. He excels at helping others with creative ideas and vision. Let's see. Let me glance down here. Drawing, sketching, cartooning, illustrating, creating with unexpected media. Wire rocks anything. He likes engineering, analyzing, fixing things can tell you what's going to go wrong. Like so many people, my creativity is suffering from bearing the weight of not making enough money. All right. That's again, that's a major concept. Yeah. When people just assume 
that they're going to starve because they're an artist. Now, the best resource we've got for that is Jeff Goins' book, Real Artists Don't Starve. And as an artist, I certainly would recommend that you get that at least and go through that. So you make sure that you've got a mindset that you really can make money from your art, that what you have is unique to you. It may not be like everybody else is doing, but it's unique to you and you can do that and do it profitably. I just started selling cars, Daniel says, and I'm great with connecting with people and the whole thing is going okay. I, but I know I hate it. I'm just doing it for the money because I couldn't find a job and sort of lost my direction. Um, you so often say do a job search. I found so many jobs that I thought were perfect so many times, but just don't hear back feeling so trapped. Totally. I'm a hard worker who's just digging my own grave most days. Oh my gosh. What a visual that is. I'm a hard worker, but I'm all I'm doing is digging my own grave. Wow. I just had backhoe out here on our property this morning and, uh, the guys dug down, uh, dug into an area. Not a pleasant area on anybody's property, but we're trying to comply with some codes here. And I, so I have a, a clear, fresh image of digging down in the ground and what that looks like. Hopefully yours will have a, a, a good outcome and not just realizing you're digging your own grave. Now, a couple things that I want to comment on, Daniel, in your, in your question here. For one thing, you present this whole issue of using your creativity only to make money. Yeah, I just got to make money. And I understand the real concern, the real obligation and pressure to do that. No question about it. I mean, when I'm working in my area of art, which is writing or coaching or speaking, sure, I know there's a component of that that is going to relate to having enough money to have groceries on our table. But that's not what I'm thinking about when I'm doing it. I'm really not. I mean, I'm doing it because it just flows out of me. I do it because I absolutely love it. Now, would I go so far? You know, sometimes we ask the question, what is it that you would do even if you weren't being paid for it? Now, I know that I've asked that question. I'm not sure I can really answer that. I mean, if I, if I were doing this and I weren't getting paid at all, I'd have to figure out something else that I would do to get paid. So there would be that issue I would have to address. But I suspect that you're undermining your best creativity, your best attitude, your best engagement with other people, because this is so close to the surface for you. Gee, I got to make money doing this. If you could back up from that a little bit and just understand that your best work, if it really is good work, if it is your unique ability, if it's something that not everybody else does easily, it ought to position you to have money coming at you in unexpected ways. I mean, when I look at the artwork, the, the visual art that I have here in my office, I've got a beautiful piece back here on the wall uh, given to me by a client, a young man that I worked with, transitioned out of being a pastor of a church into being an artist. How's that for a radical transition? but he was an imposter. He was trying to be something that he was not. And I challenged him. I said, man, who sold you this bill of goods? And he was taken back immediately, but we talked through it and he recognized, yeah, he was trying to pretend to be something that he was not. It didn't match God's gifting for him, even though he thought it was a godly thing to do. So today he's an artist. When he does his art, I mean, he describes to me 
going into a room in their house, you know, closing the door, he puts on Beethoven or Mozart, and then he paints and it just flows out of him. He does these really abstract, bold colors with nothing but the theme of music. Every piece he does has a theme of music. He is so in his zone when he's doing that. Now, here's the deal. Here's the contrast. He was doing something that he thought was godly and certainly a responsible thing to do. Had gone to seminary, was pastor of a little tiny church, was working as a hotel clerk nights just during the week just to try to keep the lights on in his house and was making peanuts. Today, the, the painting that I have here in my office is a $10,000 piece. I mean, I, and I know, you know, based on his current reputation, it would probably bring more than that if I wanted to sell it. I don't. It's a very meaningful piece to me because of the transition, the transformation in this young man's life. But his income at this point is easily five or six times what he was making in trying to be a responsible pastor. When he does his art, he's not sitting there thinking, well, if I do this piece, it'll sell for 10000 or 20000 or whatever it happens to be. He just does his art. The payment, As a matter of fact, he is an agent. So he's not even very directly involved in that part. He's not really excited about the, the business side of it. He just gets to create art. But in doing so, in doing what he so beautifully does, then it generates money far beyond what he could possibly do in anything else, just trying to be a responsible provider for his family. I mean, that's the irony of being in our zone of genius and doing things that the world is going to tell us, now you could never do that. I mean, what do we hear about artists? Starving artists. We hear that stupid phrase over and over and over again, assuming that if somebody follows their desire in art or design or sculpture or music or poetry, or comedy, you know, gee, they're just, they're not going to make any money at all. We were just on a, on, on the cruise ship, and they have wonderful evening entertainment, and there was a young gal who did a Whitney Houston tribute as her show. She was absolutely magnificent. Y'all, her name is Ashley Amy, I think it was. She's just absolutely delightful. She will go places. She's not going to be on a cruise ship much longer with her talent. But I know lots of people who started there. Andy Andrews used to do comedy shows on cruise ships. Ken Davis, who lives here in Franklin, you know, wonderful, wonderful Christian comedian, got his start on cruise ships. Now he gets paid, you know, big bucks and fills arenas for that, as does Andy. My gosh, Andy has spoken at the request of four uh, United States presidents and again, is paid enormous fees to come into corporations and do his presentations. But they started doing what they really loved, turning it into opportunities that maybe were not their dream setting, but it gave them an opportunity to refine their art and continue going on with that. You've got to see opportunities to do that, Daniel. I mean, I think you're really close, but I think you have to go back and revisit what it is that you enjoy so much that you can do that only you can do. Look for your zone of genius. Don't just look for an area of excellence or competence. And I talked about that last week. Those areas we can be doing something incompetently or excellently, competently 
or in our unique ability area, our zone of genius. Look for that and then be confident that you can turn that into the income that you need. Now, you may be trying to force this into an artificial model because when you get, when you are doing something like, like my friend who did the piece of art that I just described in my office, could he take that and just update his resume and go get a job? Well, no, it doesn't fit that at all. He has to be totally outside of a traditional job role, as most people who are real creative do. So you may have to find a way to put legs on what it is you do that don't have the restrictions of a regular job. So you're doing project work, you're doing logo design, or whatever it happens to be. You know, if you do a wire sculpture, calling my friend Scott Stearman, just check out my friend Scott Stearman. They just unveiled a sculpture that he did at a Nazarene church that is so stunning. It's beyond description. It's Jesus on his knees with a little boy leaning over his shoulder and a little girl about five feet away coming toward him. Now, these are such that little kids can go up and just hug Jesus. He's got some pictures up of that. It's just breathtaking. Now, Scott's not a candidate to go get a job somewhere. But he does that kind of an installation. He's the one that did Athena, our very prized eagle that we have here in our property. Bronze eagle with 48 feathers on it. Very, very uh, important part of the art on our property. But he's not candid to go get a job. You may not be either. Well, wow. You know what? Man, I'm going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to cut there. We're, we're out of time, and I've got this one where a guy says his wife is not supporting him and in being involved with a nonprofit because she knows that people with, in nonprofits or church work, that kind of thing, all they do is ignore their family, and it doesn't make the world a better place anyway. Whoa. All right. We'll pick up there next week with that one. Hey, we got a lot of exciting things happening. Golly. You know, we are making this major move for 48 Days Eagles. Just go to 48dayseagles.com, check it out. Uh, You'll see all that's happening there, our move over to Mighty Networks. We're really excited about that. Remember our quotation for today that came from Tony Robbins, where Tony says, A real decision is measured by the fact that you've taken a new action. If there's no action, you haven't truly decided. So decide, that means something's going to stop. Decide and then stick to it. And what a cool thing to have the choices that we have. My goodness, you can change your life dramatically. Now, one of the things that that comes up, um, doing a presentation in the Eagles community this week about this, that has to do, is pain required for growth? Will you, do you choose to grow or do you only grow if unexpected pain comes your way? Now you can get the kind of images of what happens there. You lose a job. Wow. Ouch. Unexpected, unwelcome. But then 18 months later, you realize, oh, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Or you have a health challenge and you decide, I need to get on top of my health. And so you do the things that give you better health that can continue the rest of your life. I mean, so... Just decide, recognize you have the power, you have the choice to make those good decisions to carry you forward. Well, I hope that you are enjoying this time of year. We're kind of through spring at this point. We're almost here. We're ready for summer. Time for flowers just to explode here in Tennessee. Things are just popping out everywhere. It's a delightful time of year, as every time of year should be. I celebrated my birthday this year, or this this week. Got tons of birthday well wishes. And, you know, I thought 
I had an absolutely wonderful day. But you know what? The day before and the day after were also wonderful days. Just choose to make them so you can do the same. Hey, thanks for being part of this organization, this growing community of people who are sharing ideas and resources so generously. Honored by your questions. Keep those coming in. Ask Dan at 48days.com. And thanks for believing that you can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.